Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 112. Today's big Bible question concerns the command to flee youthful lusts or passions. Is this command mainly about sex or something else? So happy Lord's Day, brothers and sisters. Today I am live stream preaching out of 1 Thessalonians 5 for the church that I'm a pastor at, Valley Baptist Church in Salinas, California. I would love for you to join us on the live stream at 11 a.m. Pacific time on Sunday morning, or if you're listening to this after that, no worries, we post it on our Facebook page. You can head over there and check out the video, throw out a comment, let me know you're there and you're listening, uh, or you're watching it at a later date. All you got to do is go to Facebook and search for our church, VBC Salinas, that's Victor Bravo Charlie Salinas, VBC Salinas, and that will get you to us. You can also get to our Facebook page from our website, BibleReadingPodcast.com, which I would encourage you to go to as well because there's over 600 pages, literally over 600, if you like spaced them all out on typed pages, it would be like 600 pages of transcript from the show just from this year. That's the thing about a daily Bible podcast. If you actually put it into a book, you'd have some sort of massive tome of, I don't know, over a couple of almost 2,000 pages when the year is up. So it's kind of mind blowing. But if you ever want to look up a scripture we talk about or you missed something, just head on over to Bible Reading Podcast and you can check it out there because every episode has a blog entry and there's a search function there. Look, it's not the greatest looking website in the world, but I'm not worried about looks on that site. I'm just worried about churning out one of these podcasts every day. So I I would encourage you to check it out. And if you have a Bible question you want us to cover on an upcoming episode, just leave it as a comment. Today's Bible readings on this shorter than normal episode are Leviticus chapter 23, Psalms 30, Ecclesiastes 6, and 2 Timothy chapter 2. Our focus passage remains in Timothy, 2 Timothy, and we are talking about one of the most well-known Bible passages, commands out there, flee youthful lusts. And I got to tell you, I was a youth minister for a long time, over 10 years, Um, and many, many times, especially when I was a youth pastor, I have talked about this passage in 2 Timothy 2 in ministry, almost always with the gist of my talks being that we are to, you know, stand against other temptations, but this passage tells us to actually run away from sexual lust, especially when we're young. For for example, I've probably taught along these lines quite a few times. Now, I'm not saying this is right. I'm just telling you that back in my youth minister days, I probably said something like this more than once. I said, in Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, you are commanded to make your stand against the devil. In James 4, 7, you are given the promise that if you resist him, he will flee from you. But in 2 Timothy 2.22, you are commanded to flee youthful lust. It's rather amazing that you are commanded to be strong, take your stand, and fight against fallen angels, while at the same time, you are commanded to run away with fear from youthful sexual desire. This demonstrates, I might have said, that youthful lust of your flesh and the unbridled sensuality of your culture might be more dangerous than a face-to-face battle with the devil. Here's the thing, though. If I did say something like that, and I probably did, I was probably sort of wrong-ish, I think. What if I told you 
that we might actually be missing what this very important Bible verse is saying to us. And look, it's not like I've uncovered this. Almost any modern translation uh, that you pick up will show that maybe we've been misunderstanding this Greek word for a while. So the word here, the Greek word here, the thing we're supposed to run away from is the Greek word epithumia. Now, interestingly, it doesn't really mean lust, and I think I can prove that beyond a shadow of a doubt. At least it doesn't mean lust like the way we usually use the word lust in society. For instance, take Luke twenty-two fifteen. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he said unto them with epithumia, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now, Jesus is not saying the word lust there because, number one, it wouldn't grammatically fit in any way, shape, or form. Number two, it's Jesus. That's not what he did. So the word in Greek, epithumia, is more probably appropriately translated as something like over-desire or heavy desire, or if you want to use one word like the CSB does, passion. So, we're supposed to flee from ungodly over-desires. Now, which ungodly over-desires is Paul talking about in 2 Timothy 2? Well, let's go read the passage, and then we're going to come back and discuss. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, Commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled at the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get a share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead and descended from David according to my gospel, for which I suffer to the point of being bound like a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. This is why I endure all things for the elect, so that they also may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This saying is trustworthy. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to fight about words. This is useless and leads to the ruin of those who listen. Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. Avoid irreverent and empty speech since those who engage in it will produce even more godlessness and their teaching will spread like gangrene. Hymenaeus and Philetus are among them. They have departed from the truth saying that the resurrection has already taken place and are ruining the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm bearing this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. Now, in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also those of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. 
But reject foolish and ignorant disputes, because you know that they breed quarrels. The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil, who has taken them captive to do his will. So, what do you think? What is Paul talking about there in 2 Timothy 2 in the context of these passions we should be fleeing. Now, don't get me wrong. I do believe we should, Christians should flee lust and honestly every other sin and temptation. We shouldn't indulge any of them. But that doesn't seem to be the context of what Paul is talking about here. So let me tag in Pastor Ray Ortland, who does a great job explaining this passage. And Pastor Ray says, The youthful passions in this context are not sexual. Paul has in mind the passion for controversy, that feeling inside that relishes a fight and loves to be proved right and even prophetic. Instead, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, patiently enduring evil, says Paul in 2 Timothy 2.24. But there's something about us, especially in our youthful immaturity, that lusts to raise protests and set the world right and make sure everyone cares as passionately as I do because I'm on the side of the right. I'm the defender of the downtrodden. I get it more than others do, etc., etc. In this world of blatant, horrible wrongs, it's not hard to get angry. It is hard not to get angry. But the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, says the Bible. It just doesn't because it can't. No matter how right the cause is, The anger of man only makes things worse. Sometimes the youthful don't see how clever evil is, how easy it is for us to add to evil while intending good, how hard it is for us to be angry and not sin and complicate things further. Exposing and confronting wrongs, real wrongs with real victims is good but not simple. Not for us. What is simple is creating more victims by rushing to judgment with guns a-blazing and a golden heart pursuing a noble cause. Personally for me as a pastor, says Ortland, I long to be the kind of man that sinners want to move towards, not away from. Inevitably, for every one of us, there will come a moment when we have sinned so stupidly that our future is in peril, or when we have been sinned against so destructively that we fall into despair. When that happens, when that happens, not if it happens, to whom will we go? Not to the fault finders and finger pointers. Desperate people will go, if they have any courage left, to a pastor who is known for good news of great joy for all kinds of people. They will go to a man who is known for being kind to everyone, a man who understands sowing and harvesting shalom for other people. And if the pastors within the acquaintance of a person in serious trouble are not like that, if those pastors are known only for their trenchant criticisms, oh, what a loss. There is a continuum in pastoral ministry with rebuke at one end, comfort at the other, and various strategies in between. Wise pastors move along the continuum constantly, interacting with people as we understand their needs moment by moment. Personally, I default towards comfort. Unless a person is defiant against the Lord, The ministry of comfort is more consistent with the tone of the gospel, good news for bad people through the finished work of Christ on the cross and the endless power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God in Matthew 5, 9. They and they only. That's a good word from Pastor Ray Ortland. I'll add one concluding thought to that. 
please, please don't take this as permission to indulge sexual lust in your mind. That is not at all what this episode is about. There are volumes of passages in the Bible that warn us away from indulging lust in the wrong way. This episode is merely focused on pointing us to why many modern Bible translations don't warn us to flee youthful lusts, but rather, as this Christian Standard Bible, warn us to flee youthful passions. Well, let's keep reading the Word of God, starting in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. The Lord spoke to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and tell them, These are my appointed times, the times of the Lord, that you will proclaim as sacred assemblies. Work may be done for six days, but on the seventh day there is to be a Sabbath of a complete rest, a sacred assembly. You are not to do any work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord wherever you live. These are the Lord's appointed times, the sacred assemblies you are to proclaim at their appointed times. The Passover to the Lord comes in the first month at twilight on the 14th day of the month. The festival of unleavened bread is the, to the Lord is on the 15th day of the same month. For seven days you must eat unleavened bread. On the first day you are to hold a sacred assembly. You are not to do any daily work. You are to present a food offering to the Lord for seven days. On the seventh day, there will be a sacred assembly. Do not do any daily work. The Lord spoke to Moses. Speak to the Israelites and tell them, When you enter the land I am giving you and reap its harvest, you are to bring the first sheaf of your harvest to the priest. He will present the sheaf before the Lord so that you may be accepted. The priest is to present it on the day after the Sabbath. On the day you present the sheaf, you are to offer a year-old male lamb without blemish as a burnt offering to the Lord. Its grain offering is to be four quarts of fine flour mixed with oil as a food offering to the Lord, a pleasing aroma, and its drink offering will be one quart of wine. You must not eat bread, roasted grain, or any new grain until this very day and until you have brought the offering to your God. This is to be a permanent statute throughout your generations wherever you live. You are to count seven complete weeks starting from the day after the Sabbath, the day you brought the sheaf of the presentation offering. You are to count 50 days until the day after the seventh Sabbath, and then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. Bring two leaves of bread from your settlements as a presentation offering, each of them made from four quarts of fine flour baked with yeast as first fruits to the Lord. You are to present with the bread seven unblemished male lambs a year old, one young bull, and two rams. They will be a burnt offering to the Lord with their grain offerings and drink offerings, a food offering, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. You are also to prepare one male goat as a sin offering and two male lambs a year as a fellowship sacrifice. The priest will present the lambs with the bread of first fruits as a presentation offering before the Lord. The bread and the two lambs will be holy to the Lord for the priest. On that same day, you are to make a proclamation and hold a sacred assembly. You are not to do any daily work. This is to be a permanent statute wherever you live throughout your generations. When you reap the harvest of your land, you are not to reap all the way to the edge of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the resonant alien. I am the Lord your God. The Lord spoke to Moses, Tell the Israelites in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you are to have a day of complete rest, commemoration, and trumpet blasts, a sacred assembly. You must not do any daily work, but you must present a food offering to the Lord. The Lord again spoke to Moses, the tenth day of the seventh month is the day of atonement. You are to hold a sacred assembly and practice self-denial. You are to present a food offering to the Lord. On this particular day, you are not to do any work, for it is a day of atonement to make atonement for yourselves before the Lord your God. If any person does not pr practice self-denial on this particular day, he is to be cut off from his people. I will destroy among his people anyone who does any work on this same day. 
you are not to do any work. This is a permanent statute. Throughout your generations, wherever you live, it will be a Sabbath of complete rest for you, and you must practice self-denial. You are to observe your Sabbath from the evening of the ninth day of the month until the following evening. The Lord spoke to Moses, Tell the Israelites, The festival of shelters to the Lord begins on the fifteenth day of the seventh month and continues for seven days. There is to be a sacred assembly on the first day. You are not to do any daily work. You are to present a food offering to the Lord for seven days. On the eighth day, you are to hold a sacred assembly and present a food offering to the Lord. It is a solemn assembly. You are not to do any daily work. These are the Lord's appointed times that you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies for presenting food offerings to the Lord, burnt offerings, and grain offerings sacrifices and drink offerings each on its designated day. These are, in addition to the offerings for the Lord's Sabbaths, your gifts, all your vow offerings, and all your free will offerings that you give to the Lord. You are to celebrate the Lord's festival on the fifteenth day of the seventh month for seven days after you have gathered the produce of the land. There will be complete rest on the first day and complete rest on the eighth day. On the first day, you are to take the product of majestic trees, palm fronds, boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. You are to celebrate it as a festival to the Lord seven days each year. This is a permanent statute for you throughout your generations. Celebrate it in the seventh month. You are to live in shelters for seven days. All the native born of Israel must live in shelters so that your generations may know that I made the Israelites live in shelters when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Moses declared the Lord's appointed times to the Israelites. Psalm chapter 30. I will exalt you, Lord, because you've lifted me up and have not allowed my enemies to triumph over me. Lord my God, I cried to you for help and you healed me. Lord, you brought me up from Sheol. You spared me from among those going down to the pit. Sing to the Lord, you his faithful ones, and praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor a lifetime. Weeping may stay overnight, but there is joy in the morning. Amen. When I was secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you showed me your favor, you made me stand like a strong mountain. When you hid your face, I was terrified. Lord, I called to you. I sought favor from my Lord. What gain is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your truth? Lord, listen and be gracious to me. Lord, be my helper. You turned my lament into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness so that I can sing to you and not be silent. Lord my God, I will praise you forever. Ecclesiastes chapter 6. Here is a tragedy I have observed under the sun and it weighs heavily on humanity. God gives a person riches, wealth, and honor so that he lacks nothing of all he desires for himself, but God does not allow him to enjoy them. Instead, a stranger will enjoy them. This is futile and a sickening tragedy. A man may father a hundred children and live many years, no matter how long he lives, if he is not satisfied by good things and does not even have a proper burial. I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. For he comes in futility and he goes in darkness, and his name is shrouded in darkness. Though a stillborn child does not see the sun and is not conscious, it has more rest than he. And if a person lives a thousand years twice but does not experience happiness, do not both go to the same place? All of a person's labor is for his stomach, yet the appetite is never satisfied. What advantage then does the wise person have over the fool? What advantage is there for the poor person who knows how to conduct himself before others? Better what the eyes see than wandering desire. 
This too is futile in a pursuit of the wind. Whatever exists was given its name long ago, and it is known what mankind is. But he is not able to contend with the one stronger than he. For when there are many words, they increase futility. What is the advantage for mankind? For who knows what is good for anyone in life in the few days of his futile life that he spends like a shadow? Who can tell what will happen after him under the sun? Amen. And you know what? I just made a decision while I was reading that passage. Ecclesiastes is an interesting book. Um, lots of wisdom there, and it ends well. But it's sort of um, a little on the low side as you read it. So I'm going to stop concluding the podcast with Ecclesiastes while we go through it. I think I'm going to start concluding with the book of Psalms if uh, we're not focusing on that. So that'll be a little change coming in the future. And I'm going to conclude with the last two verses of our psalm again today. You turned my lament into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness so that I can sing to you and not be silent. Lord my God, I will praise you forever. Brothers and sisters, wherever you are, all across the world, listening to this podcast today on the Lord's Day, may it be that you and I sing to the Lord and not be silent. Let it be that you and I praise Him forever, for He is worthy. God bless you and Godspeed.